Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast. This is episode 511 for the 26th of Nissan in a regular year. Today, we're going to talk about a very common phenomenon in Jewish religious literature, and actually it's common in a lot of other religions too, namely the idea of anthropomorphism and the idea of describing God with human-like traits and what that's all about and why we do this and some of the limitations involved with it as well. So for context, this we are in the middle of chapter 42, and we've been talking so far about the idea of cultivating or awakening rather our innate fear or awe of God, of our creator and how to do this. And we've been talking about the idea that this isn't something that needs to be generated from the outside or developed from the outside, but it's actually something that we just need to uncover from within. And it's about more developing a state of awareness and taking away obstructions that are preventing us from having this kind of awareness. So we ended off yesterday's episode discussing the idea which led into this anthropomorphic type of thinking of how one way to develop this type of baseline level of fear of God is to really become aware of how God sees all of all of our actions and is aware of all of our actions and he hears everything that we do and he examines our kidneys so to speak and he examines our heart and he listens to us and all of these things so all of these verbs are human-like verbs, right? Seeing, hearing, examining, listening, all that kind of stuff. So the Ultra Rebbe begins the section today bringing up a very obvious question with all of this, which namely, which is God is not human. So what do we mean exactly? Like, why is it that we give God these like human-like character traits and what is going on with that? So an interesting way to think about this whole type of anthropomorphic type of thinking is to actually flip it on its head. And this is an idea that comes up in Chassaras, and it and the ultra kind of brings it up here too, where there's a common understanding, even within like more basic Jewish thought, where when we talk about God's vision, God's hearing, God's hand, God's arm, all of these things, we talk about these things because it's sort of like just to, to give us something to understand. And it's like God doesn't really have a hand. God doesn't really have a voice. God just doesn't really have eyes the way that we have eyes. And But since we have eyes, we have a voice, we have hands, all these things, we attribute these aspects to God because it's something that's relatable. It's something that can kind of give us a conception of who God is. So while that might be true on a certain level, there's a deeper level to this where we can actually understand what's going on in a much 
more profound level. And this is where we actually flip this on its head, where we realize that it's not so much that we have the real hands or the real feet or the real vision or all these things, but rather the true actual truth of these things, because the true actual truth of any anything is in God. So the true foot, the true eyes, the true hands, the true ears, these belong to God. And what we experience here in terms of our vision, in terms of our hearing, in terms of our thoughts, even any, any attribute that we think of is actually, but a mirror, mirror image of God. And it's an imperfect and a limited image of the true type of thing like this. So, so the philosopher Plato actually tapped into a certain aspect of this idea in his theory of the forms and matter. And where he talked about this idea that when we talk about, let's say, uh, a dog like or a triangle or and anything that we experience here in the world we see many examples of dogs here in the world and we see many examples of triangle but there's an actual dog and an actual form of triangle that exists in a more on a more spiritual like ethereal kind of plane and that is like the perfection of whatever we experience down here as being a dog, as being a triangle, as being something like this. Like there's no actual physical dog or there's no actual physical triangle that we experience that's going to epitomize all of the aspects of what it truly means to be a dog or what it truly means to be a triangle. While nevertheless, we do say that these things are dogs and these things are triangles and what have you. So similarly with us, when we talk about our vision, when we talk about our hearing, when we talk about our hands, our feet, all these things, it's true. We do have vision. We do have hands. We do have feet. We do have hearing and all that stuff. However, these are really just mirror images and very coarse images of the true actual reality of handness, of vision, of hearing, of these kind of things as they exist in God. So it's not so much that we attribute these things to God because it's things that we have and it's a way for us to understand God better, but rather it's attributes that God gave to us so that we can associate with him better, if that makes sense. So that's the first thing that the altar brings up is this whole idea and what to keep in mind. And again, this is an answer to the question of how is it that we can say that God sees all of our insides, our kidneys, our heart, all of these things? He sees all of our actions. He hears everything we do. He listens to us. It's because, yes, God's not a human being, but he's actually much more than a human being. And thus, he has these attributes in a much more perfect way than and full way. Than we. And not only that, the ultra will then go on to explain how these sensations that God is having are actually a lot more intense than the concept of just seeing something the way that we we see things that are outside of us uh, or hear things that are outside of us. Because why? Because God, actually, as we've been describing be, uh, previously in the Tanya, God and the world are not two separate things. And the world is actually nothing but a manifestation of God. Like God is everywhere. And so thus, this brings to mind a term which I actually heard for the first time during my yoga teacher training course, believe it or not, which is proprioception. So proprioception is can be thought of as like a sixth sense in human beings. It's the ability to sense any kind of movement that you are doing or any kind of action 
that you're doing or any kind of, or, or where your body is in space. So it's sort of like the ability to be conscious as to what's going on on the inside, inside of you. So whereas the other five senses that we have give us an experience of the outside world, this proprioception, which is sometimes called the sixth sense, gives us a sense of what's going on on the inside world. Where am I? What am I doing right now? So when we understand this idea of proprioception, we apply it to God and we apply it to the world and what we've been discussing, we can see that for God, when we talk about God seeing and hearing and examining our hearts and all these things, for God, it's not that he's looking at us as like these outside beings because they're we and God, there is no real separation between us and God. So really for us, it's sort of like when he sees us and when he experiences what we're experiencing, this is a type of proprioception for God. He's sensing what's going on on the inside for him. And so when we understand how deeply we know ourselves and how much more aware and attuned we are to ourselves versus to what's going on on the outside world, it can give us a really strong sense of the attunement and the awareness that God has to us. And then the ultra bright will conclude this section now, and then he'll give the limitations to this understanding, namely that while it's all nice and good to think of God in these human terms, and even if we say that, okay, God's but like a perfect version of these these ideas and, and these adjectives and all that stuff, nevertheless, it's not a perfect way of looking at God because when it comes to us, when it comes to our sensations and the way that we perceive things in the world, whether it's on the outside away from us, or even if it's on the inside in this proprioceptive type of, type of way, we are affected by what we feel and see and sense. And this, these sensations cause a change in us. They cause, they give, cause a reaction out of us. Whereas for God, we know that God is unchanging and nothing can change him or alter him at all. So this is a very, big difference is that even though God is sensing these things and he is very much aware and conscious of every single thing that's going on in every single detail of the world, every single detail that's happening to us and our thoughts and everything, nevertheless, he's not affected by them in the same way that we're affected by these sensations that we have because God is unchanging by definition. So that's a summary of what we're going to be learning. And now let's get into the text and see how the Altrava explains this. So the Altrava says that, and again, this is a continuation from last time where we talked about how God sees all of our action and hears and listens to everything that we do. And he really examines our insides and our, our kidneys and our heart, so to speak. So the Altrava goes on today and he says, but Nevertheless, even though he doesn't have a body, like a image of a body, all the more so. So again, bringing up this like kind of question of like, so how is it that God experiences these kind of things? All the more so everything is revealed to him with even more intensity to an infinite degree than our physical type of seeing or our physical type of hearing by way of parable. So like, Again, our sight and our hearing are merely a parable for what God is experiencing. And then the altar now goes on to say that this is the way that we can understand this is it's like by way of parable, like a person who knows and feels within himself everything that's going on and everything that is happening in all of his limbs and organs. So again, this is this idea of proprioception is what it made me think about. Like for example here, if if a person is cold or if a person's hot, which I'm not sure if 
temperature sensation of the body is under the category of proprioception, but we can say it's this general feeling of self-awareness. So a person knows, like we're generally aware of the fact if we're cold, if we're hot, even to the point, says the ultra bit, of if we feel heat in our the toenails, in our toenails even. Like for example, if somebody is scorched by fire, God forbid, let's say if you, you, you go on the ground and, and like, do you ever feel that feeling of like, let's say you walk on like really, really, really hot grounds, like a really hot sand or something like that. Like you feel it even there. It might even get into your toenails. And not only do we sense, says the ultra bet, our, what's happening, like this proprioception, like what are our the limbs of our body doing? What are they, how are they moving? Where are they in space? And that kind of thing. We actually, even more than that, we feel their essence and we feel their substance. We feel what they are. Like we're aware of, I have a hand, I have a foot, you know, that kind of thing. And we feel everything that happens to them. And we sense this in our brain. And so the Altarabist says that this is the type of knowledge that we're talking about. When we talk about how God knows everything that's going on in the creations, in his creations, whether we're talking about supernal creations or lower creations, since they all come from him. And as a citation, the Altarabist brings a citation from Divrei Hayamim, chapter 29, verse 14, which says, which literally means for from you come all things. So says the altar Abed, this is how it is that God knows everything going on because we're all within God. So uh, the altar Abed says that this explains the meaning of what we say in davening, in Rosh Hashanah davening, where we say, which literally means, and no creature is hidden from you. That's from the Rosh Hashanah davening and Musaf. And then the altar Abed says that the Rambam actually speaks about this and the Rambam explained and he and then he says that the the scholars of the Kabbalah agreed with him in this idea for example the Ramak uh, Rabbi Moshe Kodoveru in the Pardes wrote about this idea that in knowing himself so to speak and God knowing himself he knows all of his creations that come from him from the, from his truth however says the ultra Rabbi, this is where he says the parable kind of breaks down he says this parable is only in order to ozen, so to speak, the, in Hebrew we say. So it's like in order to make sense to to calm the ear, like to make sense to us, basically. Because really, the analogy is not really similar to the the analog at all. Why? Because the soul of man, even the intellectual soul of man, and even the godly soul of man, is affected by the going ons of the body. And when the body is upset, why? Because this soul, this godly soul that we have is vested, is actually vested inside of our animal soul, which is vested within the body in a true way. So our godly souls that we have, like as holy as they are and everything, they actually come down here and become vested within our animal souls and within our bodies. So thus, anytime the body is upset about something, we feel it and our godly souls experience it and it affects them in a really, in a, in a true way. However, for God, God is not affected, God forbid, by the going-ons of the world and by the changes that happen in the world and, and, or by the world at all. Because anything that happens here in this world, anything that anybody does here in this world or anything that happens here, it does not, cannot, God forbid, create any kind of change in God. And so to really be able to understand this truly with our minds, says the Altarebbe, 
The scholars of truth, the Chochmei Ha'emit, says the Alter Rebbe, this is an allusion to the capital, discussed that this is at length. However, all Jews are maminim b'nei maminim. We are believers and sons of believers without any kind of need to try to understand this and intellectualize this in our minds, in our human minds. And so we say every day in davening, Atahu ad so you were the same before the world was created and after the world was created. So we say this every day in davening. And as is explained above in chapter 20. So basically what the altar is concluding here with is this is basically telling us that this is a very deep concept to understand how it is that God is on the one hand sensing everything in the world and is experiencing everything in the world because everything is really on the inside, inside of him. But nevertheless, he is not affected by the world and nothing in the world can actually change him the way that we do get affected by the happenings in our body and what we experience down here in this physical world. So that's how we're different. And this is a really deep thing to understand. And it's not something that we necessarily need to try to understand because we are believers and sons of believers. So this is something that we kind of just, it's okay for us to just accept it on faith. So that is the end of the section for today. And I hope that brought you a little bit more of an understanding as to anthropomorphic thought in Judaism, specifically in Chassidus and what it is, what it's not, and the limitations of it as well. And we'll continue along these lines tomorrow and I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzchak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.